It's November 29th, 2018. This is Acacia Thompson for Brooklyn Public Library's Greenpoint Oral History Project for Our Streets, Our Stories. I'm here today at PS 110, the Monitor School in Greenpoint with Principal Anna Kano Amato. Hello. Hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. So tell me, Principal Kano Amato, how long have you been in Greenpoint? I have been working here at PS 110 for nearly 35 years. I began here as a teacher and worked my way through the DOE, and I'm now the principal for approximately the last 13 years. All right, and can you tell me, what are some of the ch changes that you've seen in the neighborhood since you've been here? So when I first arrived 35 years ago, while we had this beautiful school across from a park, the park was not inviting. Um, it was not an area that was used by the community. And it was certainly not something we as classroom teachers thought of incorporating into our curriculum. I also remember down by the water, waterfront and that section of Brooklyn where there were things going on, but certainly not things that we wanted to be a part of. And we were sort of isolated here in, this, in the building. It was like, okay, we have this beautiful old school, but we're not going to be venturing out into the neighborhood per se. It just wasn't the kind of environment that we wanted to necessarily expose our kids to. Right, right. And so let's talk a little bit about so where we are physically. We're near the BQE, we're near truck routes, we're near the Newtown Creek. So how have those sort of elements been an influence? I mean, you say that you've been really insulated here. So I think through the course of my 35 years, which of course is a very long time, people started becoming aware, including us here at school, that we really needed to figure out how we as a school community could utilize the area around us. And I think that sort of began first with the park. So working with an amazing, an amazing uh, parks department employee many years ago, he actually approached us and thought, what could we do to bring you out? So he worked very closely with our science teacher at the time, and we just very slowly took these little baby steps into first venturing into the park, and the children went to look at the trees. They went on um, archaeological digs and searching for things, you know, uh, that might tell a story. And that kind of got us thinking, you know, we really need to, as a community, as a school community, we really need to start thinking about what else we can do. So it really just started baby steps just crossing the street into the park. And I think that as the community became aware, more aware of the park, we started thinking, okay, now we need to plant, now we need to rake, now we need to seed. So we just started taking a more active role in physically becoming stewards of the park with our children. And I think that just helped to generate this sense of belonging and what we could do as families. So we would hold park days. We would go to, you know, on a Saturday morning. We would paint benches, rake leaves, put down mulch. And I think that that really helped us to understand that if we wanted the community to change, we had to be part of that change. And did you find acceptance or push pushback in trying to activate the, the park? I, you know, I, there wasn't, um, no, there wasn't really the pushback. I think that, um, the Parks Department welcomed the help. Um, I think the parents here at the school were grateful that we, ha we were beginning to realize we have an outdoor classroom, right? That park 
in its changes through the season offers us an environment for the children to learn firsthand and in the real world what science is what the science is around us. So there wasn't the pushback. Um, I think that again, as the as the neighborhood started becoming more environmentally aware. So the beginnings of the McGulrick Park Alliance, as all these organizations started getting up off open space alliances, as they started getting up off the ground and really understood what we have here in the community, it just became a fit for us to work with them as well. So that's basically what, what started us. Right, and so for the last four or five years, you've had the sustainability approach. Four years? This is our fourth year. Fourth year. So um, through the Greenpoint Community Environmental Fund, we were very fortunate to be included as one of the four Greenpoint schools, along with PS31, PS34, and MS126, to really, really dig deep into what the word sustainability means. It's a very big word, and it means a lot of different things to different people. What that enabled us to do, because we always had a sustainability coach, DOE schools, each and every one of them has a sustainability coach. It's typically a teacher on staff who tries to provide some sense of what sustainability is, but they're a classroom teacher, so they're taking on that additional responsibility. And while we, did, while we did our best with it, we were never really able to fully expand it. When Fran Agnone arrived as our sustainability coach, she helped us to really dig deep and started peeling away the layers of what sustainability is and what we could do as a school community to really nurture that idea with our kids. So we now have a green team comprised of students who understand that they really need to be actively involved in this community if the community is going to sustain the work that it's been doing in terms of the environment. So they understand that we need to take care of the plants outside our, in our garden or the plants in our curbside tree surrounds. They understand that we accumulate a great deal of trash here every day. What, how does that impact the community and what does that look like when we begin to recycle they have they understand the use of water what's our water usage here they're very we've had water audits teams of children going around to classrooms and checking sinks and w making sure that any drips are addressed we're now monitoring electricity use how are we taking care that we're not overusing the electricity are we shutting off our lights do we shut down our computers every day do we leave our smart boards on so it's through fran really that all of us have become certainly much more aware of what we can each do, even if it's something small, but all those small pieces impact us greatly. Right, and so what kind of, uh, I know that you've done some other partnerships with uh, Audubon and Kings and Wildflowers. Tell us a little bit about how, how you've gotten students out in the neighborhood. So um, the New York Audubon Society approached us. Um, we were the first Brooklyn school in New York City um, they approached us to see if we would partner with them, particularly because we were across the street from the park. And of course, we said yes. Um, they've been coming here for quite some time now. It's a third grade project, and the children either participate for one semester or two. We've been fortunate that they've received funding as well. So the last two years, it's been a full year, and they help the children to understand the role they have in making sure that the environment around us is kept as pristine as possible because they're beginning to understand that this is an environment where wildlife lives. And it's been interesting because it's been a real discussion about native plants, 
native animals. It's not just about planting, but it's about planting what is native to this area so that it will grow. And it's about planting what will attract wildlife. So what are we doing to attract the butterflies? What are we doing to attract bees? How does that then help feed the birds and the animals that live in the area? And the children go out with um, their guide from the Audubon Society and they go into the park and they become their own bird watchers and they keep their journals and they really, really dig into what the park does for us as a community. And then we also have partnered with, oh my goodness, um, Newtown Creek Alliance. Um, we've done work with the with the McGowick Park Alliance. Um, certainly, each of those organizations. Anytime we've been approached, we said yes. We've done a lot of work at um, recently now with the Kingsland, with the Kingsland um, Rooftop Gardens. We were just there with the fourth graders. Um, they were looking at that garden as a green space, very different from what they know as green space. Right? It's on top of a roof. And when we're up there, and we were out there recently, and we're looking out, we see all this industry. And here is an oasis of green. So it was really interesting for the kids to look out and see the industry and then compare it to what they saw right at their feet. So that was, that was really eye-opening for us. We also, while we were at the garden, we went down to the bulkhead, and Lisa Bloodgood from the Newtown Creek Alliance was there with the kids, and we were looking at what's in the water. Right, what had been in the water, what was no longer in the water, what was coming back to the water. So the kids understand that it's part, you know, that it's their responsibility to make sure that that wildlife comes back. Um, last year, in one of our rigor units, the, the fourth and fifth graders studied what has been transpiring here in Greenpoint in terms of the Industrial Revolution. So we studied the Industrial Revolution from a place-based education idea. So rather than look at it, okay, this is the Industrial Revolution that took place in the United States, we looked at it as here's the Industrial Revolution in Greenpoint. So the children timelined everything that had occurred and what that impact was of that industry, which was good for growth, but not good for the environment. So as they were studying that, they understood that in terms of biodiversity, we have a very tenuous relationship because while we want to make progress, that progress is not always good for nature. So they've been learning that we need to grow economically, but in doing so, how do we protect what's here? So um, the new project that they took on this year with the Newtown Creek Alliance was this really in-depth study of the Newtown Creek. And they looked at it again, creating a timeline and looking what has, had, has occurred in the biodiversity of the area and how industry caused that biodiversity to decrease, but it's slowly coming back. So all of those opportunities, lentil gardens, we've worked in lentil gardens many times. It's off the BQE. Who would have thought the first time we walked in, the kids were amazed that right at the bottom of the BQE, there was all this green space. So we've done work there with NYU. We've done work there ourselves. Again, we've got a lot of green space here. What does it mean to us as a community and how do we ensure that we keep it moving forward? What do we do as kids and adults to keep that going? So that's been important and Fran, our sustainability coach has been a big part of that. Um, she's very conscious of the fact that she's not gonna be here forever. And in, in that she's, constantly making aware us aware that we've got to pick up the ball and how do we make sure that our children pick up the ball 
So she's always putting the responsibility back in our hands as well as the kids, because ultimately it's going to be the kids that are going to move us forward. Yeah. Well, tell me just a little bit about the, the new garden that we have outside. Amazing. Um, you know, it has been such an honor for me and a privilege for me to work in this community for 35 years, and I've stayed um, as long as I have because of the community and the wonderful partnerships we have with our families. And it was through that partnership that one of the families, one of the moms, decided to put in for a grant through GCF to turn our Monitor Street schoolyard, which was just an asphalt pavement, into an outdoor green space, an outdoor classroom. She applied, got funding, and the yard has been transformed into this beautiful green space with potted trees, potted plants, uh, a lovely little classroom out there where the children have been using tree stumps as their seats and really understanding. Like when we're talking about plants, we're in the plants. Here we are. We just recently planted bulbs and, and uh, low-growing plants around these big tree beds so that the spring we're going to have these beautiful daffodils and irises and narcissus coming up. So the, the green space has allowed us to extend our work of being in the building, talking about the world around us, to actually being in the world around us. Not just in the park, but right in the, right in the schoolyard next door. So that's been lovely, and we're hoping to use, of course, it was just put into place in the fall. We're hoping once the warm weather comes back, we'll really be out there. Okay, it sounds like you're doing a lot to help create future stewards of our environment here. We're working really hard at that, but I have to tell you that it's been amazing to see the ownership of the children. It is not something that we've had to um, say, okay, children, we are going to do this. They've embraced it They very strongly. They are very passionate about the work we've been doing and very, uh, very verbal about telling us as adults what we may not be doing correctly about what's going on around us. They watch us really carefully, so that's a good thing because I think they understand that really, you know, we talk to them about the future being in their hands, but they're living it now with all our green space and understanding that they have to care for it if they hope to use it in the future. So the fact that we've been able to attach a very lofty idea of ownership of their environment and bring it to them firsthand as they're literally digging in the dirt, that has been nothing short of amazing. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me you're, today. You're very welcome.